It's your boy Robert Fleming Jr. here, and you're listening to the 3D Life Podcast. What's going on 3D Life Podcast family? I am super, super, super excited to be back with y'all for our second season. I know, right? It's crazy. We are in the first episode of season two, and I'm super, super excited to be back with y'all. Hope that y'all are as excited as I am. If you are excited, go ahead and share this episode with somebody if you have not subscribed go ahead and subscribe as well if you are new to the channel then i'm going to give you just a little bit of backdrop about what this podcast is all about the 3d life podcast is a podcast that cultivates our spirit our gifts and talents and our mind i believe that when all three of these aspects of our life come together and they are healthy and well we are able to live our best life or what i like to call our 3d life all right thank you for joining the channel um, we have a great great topic ahead of us today don't mix pulpit and politics is what we've often been told that as christian believers we should limit our interaction when it comes to the pulpit when it comes to politics but today we're going to push back on that narrative. We're going to push back on that ideology as we dive headfirst into what's been going on in our country in the year of 2020. Who am I kidding? This has been going on for the last three, four, five centuries. And so today we're facing these topics head on. Before I go any further, I want to say something. Breonna Taylor, we're sorry. Yes, we're going to discuss this topic today. It may be kind of a heavy one, but I believe that there are gems that are going to come out of this conversation. And so I had my brother join me today, a brother that I recently had the opportunity to get acquainted with. His name is Elder Brother Ladarius Jerome Bill, a community organizer. Actually, he is the chief administrative officer of the True Believer Community Group out of the South Side of chicago yes as i said before he's an elder in the church of god in christ and has earned his ba in philosophy in black studies now pursuing a master's of divinity so i believe that he has gems that he's going to share with us today i want you to buckle up sit back relax and enjoy this first episode of the 3d life podcast let's go Brother Bill, how you doing this afternoon, sir? Hey, man, I'm doing well, doing well. A little sleepy, but I'm here. How you doing? 
Doing good, man. Again, as I said before, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon um, on the 3D Life podcast. As I said before, I'm looking forward to our conversations. Um, I feel like it's going to be value-adding and fruitful. Um, as I said, also, I really admire you from afar and, and what you've been doing in your community and just the stance that you've been taking, particularly during this time, to um, raise awareness and, and, and to also you know, use your voice during this time to um, bring light and shed light on situations and topics that very, very badly need to be um, talked about during this time. So thank you so much again, man, for joining us. Well, for joining me. I don't know why church people talk in third person, <laughs> but joining us. <laughs> but thank you, man, for joining me tonight. I appreciate it, man. And um, so just to kind of get us started, um, how have you been? Um, how have you been navigating just the time that we're living in when it comes to COVID-19 and how are things on your end? Well, just about the same as, you know, most people adjusting to the new normal, uh, being getting used to, you know, the face mask, the being very careful, the lockdown, and seem like we're headed back to lockdown. It's all traumatizing and exhausting, but we're learning how to navigate through it. And of course, for, for certain, I miss church. I miss all of the, you know, the, the services, the, the, the national meetings, the, even when we are able to go to church, you know, the, the lack of being able to shake hands and hug like we used to. Oh, yeah, we just, we just miss all of that. Sometimes you slip up and forget about it, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> We're making it. Gotcha. I definitely agree. I think that um, during this time, I think it's just been a constant revolving um, state yeah. of adjustments. <laughs> I think that once you get used to something, you have to be um, ready to adjust, which I really think is a positive thing because it's, it's teaching us just as people in general how to be flexible and and how to make the most of the cars that, that, that were dealt. And so I'm really glad that this time has been um, a time for us to explore different passions and um, a time to grow. And so... Uh, with that being said, man, just kind of transition into some of our questions tonight and to, and to just kind of give a, a warning to our audience. I think that tonight's conversation is going to be somewhat heavy. Um, of course, I don't want to make it too heavy, but I do think that um, the news that is, I mean, all over, all over our social media, all in our news apps, um, we see it on the TV as well. Uh, I think that th th these are topics that definitely need to be talked about, especially with the perspective of those who claim to be Christian believers. And so with that being said, man, what are your general thoughts on the state of our nation? And what have you been doing and encouraging others to do to best adjust to that? Oh, man, the state of our nation is chaos. Uh, I think we are headed, we are in disaster and we're headed towards more disaster, man. I, I mean, just being very realistic. Through my spiritual eye, I discern that we are not done with <laughs> some of the very catastrophic uh, events that we've witnessed. I think this election is going to swing in a way that uh, many people are not expecting it to. I think that the coming weeks are going to be very telling. Um, man, I, I, I think we have not seen the end of the racial unrest. Um, <laughs> I, I, and, and what I've been personally admonishing people to do is just, just be prepared, uh, be praying, because these are the days of God's end time agenda. 
And when you read the, the Bible, I mean, which I'm a spiritual person, so you know, I, I get the whole be woke, be involved, be this. We're gonna fight the powers that be. We're gonna vote. We're gonna all of that. I understand, but you also have to cooperate that with uh, just what God is doing. And I think God is talking right now. I think God is doing some talking. And uh, it, it, like my grandmother would say, it behooves us to listen because, man, I, I think that we, I, I think that we are going to see some more dark days. Uh, but those of us who are praying and those of us who are spiritual, you know, I think it, 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 we, we've been promised, it shall be well with the righteous. And what I've been doing is I've been trying to continue to, you know, tell people, hey, get it together, get, get your stuff together, don't waste this time, use this time wisely, uh, make the right investments, do your writing, uh, do your vision casting, pursue, execute, you know, these are not the days to lay around and let them waste because the future right now is extremely uncertain. <laughs> Most certainly, man. And I don't know if you saw this on social media, but um, Pastor YPJ Miller, at the end of last year, I believe his church is in South Bend, Indiana. Um, at the end of last year, God used him to prophesy um, about 2020. And I think that at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were jumping and shouting, um, 2020 is going to be my year, my year of vision. God is going to reveal things to me. It's going to be a great year. And I think that God has a funny way um, of revealing things to us. And I think that oftentimes what happens is that we only view it from one point. But I think that this year, God has really pulled back a lot of the motives, a lot of the hearts and, and the intents of a lot of people in this nation, in the church, in businesses, everywhere, that has been revealed. And particularly, I think when it comes to topics like race and when it comes to um, politics, a lot of that stuff has been pulled back this year. And so I, I very much so agree with you that it's important for us to pay attention to these things and to properly prepare ourselves for that. And so I know that you have been very, very active when it comes to um, the political state of our nation and what we're coming up on in November, which I know a lot of people don't really like to talk, you know, and mix pulpit um, and, and maybe, uh, I don't, I don't want to say religion, but let's say Bible and politics. A lot of people don't like to see those two things intersect, but the Bible says that the people rejoice when the righteous are in authority which means that I believe that believers, if anybody's in authority, if anybody should be involved in politics, it should very much so be us. Um, so like I said, you've been following it very closely. Um, so I just want to kind of get just your general thoughts on, you know, November and how do you plan to approach the polls? Mm, yeah. When the, Righteous die in power, the people do rejoice. <laughs> and I think righteousness does exalt a nation. Um, when approaching the polls, listen, you've got to vote uh, your conscience and you've got to vote along with whatever your values and principles are. Quite, not, quite honestly, when it comes down to social justice, black issues, race issues, I don't think either side have been a particular friend to black America. I think Democrats are pretty much better 
with covering them, you know, their true selves, I, I'm not certain that either side has our best interests at heart. And when it comes down to the presidential candidates that we have to choose from, this whole idea of lesser of two evils, you know, like even going all the way back to our ancestor W.E.B. Du Bois, there is no lesser of two evils. There's one party and they're both evil. <laughs> we, we, we're in some trouble. I, I suggest, and this is what I did in 2016, and this is what I'm gonna do again, and I've been very vocal about it. I have, you know, some don't agree with it, but it's whatever, you know, I, like I said, vote your values. What I suggest is pay close attention to your local uh, and state and federal congressmen and judges and whatever referendum is on the ballot. Don't stop at the presidential box. Keep going down the ballot. Pay attention, research the issues, understand which candidate best fits you. Your local, state, and federal Congress deal with you more directly than the president ever will. And so that, that's what I admonish. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give great attention to the Congress and judges and whatever question is on the ballot, because those are the things that we need to be attentive to. And that's where we need to really be placing our, our uh, confidences. You brought, you brought up a point that I've been saying for a while that, you know, it's not that one party is in particularly more for, um, I think, the well-being of the black community than the other party, which I think is important for us to understand. I think sometimes what we often um, come into is black people thinking that the Democrats are for black people and Republicans um, are not for black people or, you know, maybe vice versa um, that, you know, the Republicans, I mean, because I'm seeing now like this, this rise of, you know, young black Republicans and, and, and them kind of having their um, ideologies and stuff as well. But I think in, in, in reality, it's important not to get sucked into what our media is trying to get us to suck into, which is only the presidential election, uh, which, which I think is um, going to be the Achilles heel when it comes to this 2020 elections. There's so much so much dust and so much news surrounding um, the, the presidential elections that we almost kind of forget to, to look at those local ballots and stuff as well. Um, so I, I really appreciate your, your perspective when it comes to that. I said earlier about the, the intersection of, I think, our Christian beliefs and in politics. I'm really interested to see or to hear rather your perspective on where you think or how you think the church should approach politics. Cause for a long time, you know, I, I'm a preacher, you're a preacher. And, and I think that a lot of our clergy in particular don't like to mix the two. They don't, they're like, look, I'm in the pulpit. I'm a preacher. I'm not a politician. Um, I'm going to leave that where it is. I'm not going to be involved in that. But if I look back at, you know, let's say the civil rights movement during the 1960s, a lot of the changes that we saw during that time was because clergy got involved. And if you look at, um, you know, our history, a lot of things don't really shake up when it comes to justice and it comes to social movements, unless the church get, gets behind that. 
And I know that you are of the Church of God in Christ Fellowship as well. And our founding father, our bishop, Bishop Mason, actually um, hosted um, that, that that is Dr. Martin Luther King's final public speech. Um, I've been to the mountaintop, which I think, you know, validates our need to be involved. But I'm really interested to just to hear your perspective on that for those who say, okay, I'm a preacher. I'm not going to be involved in politics. What What are your thoughts? I think that's a pitiful preacher. I'm not, you know, see, here's the thing. The priesthood is what we do in our pastoral work, okay? We cover people. We pray for them. We marry them. We Christian their babies. We bury them. We, we, we're there when they're hurting. We will restore them. We provide nourishment to them. That's the priesthood, and we should do that. But the other side of pastoral or any kind of ministry that we forsake too often for the reason you lived is the prophetic ministry. And see, that's the thing. The priest go to God on behalf of the people, but the prophet go to the people on behalf of God. And some of those people that you're going to have to go to are politicians. You're going to have to hold politicians accountable. Where are the Nathans? That's what we have to ask. Where are the Nathans? Where are the sons of Issachar, the ones who understood the times? Or Nathan, the one who would go and speak to a king and tell him, you've messed up, man. Or where are the sons of Issachar, the ones who understood the times to know what society should do? Where are the prophets? The prophets are the ones who have got to lift up their voices. And what is a prophet? According to Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, he says that a prophet does three things. Articulates the public pain, critiques the dominant ideology, and offer up creative solutions for those who have no voice. Now, what does that sound like? Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, to liberate the oppressed. And if you are a preacher who talk about, I can't, I'm not getting into politicians because I'm a preacher. No, 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 no. Nobody asks you to run for office. But we are asking you, the Bible pro provides that you ought to be prophetic in your ministry. And prophetic ministry is out there on the front lines, making sure that when you finish preaching on Sunday, when your people get done jumping high, when their feet come back down to the ground, what are they going to walk out of your doors? What is this society? What's happening in this society? Do you care enough about your parishioners to make sure that their children are not getting shot down when they're trying to walk to school? Do you care enough about your parishioners to make sure that politicians are not shutting their lights off in the middle of a pandemic? I'm getting a little too excited here, but uh, do you? Where is that prophetic unction that speaks truth to power to say we ain't taking it no more? You want our vote, we want your accountability. And that's the prophetic ministry that has to be uh, demonstrated in the world. Man, I agree. I didn't mean to go in like that. I did not mean to go. You good, brother. You good, man. Like that's that's what we need. And what I often see is that what preachers often do is not give people the tools and the resources to live Monday through Saturday, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have classes and, and we have discussions. We, we have sermons on, on how to praise and how to worship. But 
there's not a whole lot of teaching on how to live. And I'm not just talking, you know, sanctification and holiness, but I'm talking about when it comes to our rights, when it comes to um, our community resources, when it comes to um, our opportunities, I'm not going to group all preachers in the same category because I, I know that would be ignorant to do that. But I think that as a whole, there's not a whole lot of discussion about that. And I think the fear is that, you know, we'll mix pulpit and, the, and, and politics together when in reality, that's actually what we need. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought clarity to the role of a prophet, which is not just to prophesy houses and cars and to prophesy wealth and promotion on your job. Although God may send words to us in that form, if you look at the Old Testament, people hated the prophets because the prophets often didn't come with the best news. If you look at the Old Testament, right. prophets came in and, 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 and prophets, as you said before, were speaking truth to power. We're really challenging the 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 overarching ideologies of those uh, of those days, and I think that we need more prophets now. I think that we have a lot of people who are opposing this prophets, you know, um, some people who can who can call out your, your your area code and call out your your address, but but can't but don't have the holy boldness. See, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to get carried away either. But don't have the holy boldness to go to the politicians and tell them what thus say the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that that is something that is is needed, particularly in the time that we're living in now with, with so much racial tension, with so much political tension. I think that that's needed, man. I think that that's needed, which I'm glad that we have individuals like you who are both inside and outside of the church doing this work. I know that we talked a little bit earlier and, and, and you are the the chief administrative officer for, for um, I believe it is True Believer. And tell me a little bit more about what y'all do. So we uh, primarily focus on youth. Well, I shouldn't say primarily. A large chunk of what we do, we focus on youth searches. And we, 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 uh, we attach young people to jobs, uh, to educational resources, homework assistance, tutoring. Currently, right now, I am running a program for after school. It's the after school leadership uh, program for high school and uh, elementary school students, where I'm personally facilitating most of the session. And we have some guest speakers where we are um, integrating leadership into their everyday life so that they can pick up those qualities right now. Uh, we, we provide, you know, services for helping you find housing, parents to find housing, connecting you to government resources if it's needed. Uh, we have, we, we, over the summer, we had a teen mom summer camp that was a tremendous, uh, we had a tremendous response from the community. Uh, uh, droves of young uh, pregnant teenagers were trafficked through our program. Some we found out were homeless and we were able to get them, help them uh, with, with finding housing. Uh, we provide interview uh, assistance. We, you know, if you got an interview, if you, if you don't have a shirt and tie and you're a young man, come by and see me. I, I, I square you away. Uh, I, I can direct you to go where you can go get a good haircut and don't worry about paying. We got you covered. You know, these are the, some of the services. Um, and I'm sure something is slipping my mind. Uh, we also provide um, job readiness. We're not just sending you into the workforce. We're actually 
uh, running uh, seminars for how to conduct yourself in professional environments. Uh, we're assisting with college readiness. We're showing you how to take advantage of the government uh, grants and, and funding and scholarships, uh, how to make sure you're getting the right interest rates with your scholarships. Um, we're, we're, we're running other things. Uh, we're partnered with 200 plus community resource partners across the metropolitan Chicago area uh, where we are able to contact, connect you with uh, somebody we can't help you, we'll find somebody who can. Uh, and we, 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 we deal with social work, uh, case management, where we engage people one-on-one -on -one and figure out what their problems are, assess the needs, and we respond to those needs uh, as best we can. So yeah, the, those are some of the things that are, are going on over at True Believers Community Connection. Uh, uh, we're just there. Uh, our motto is stay lit. And that lit is an acronym for living in truth. Uh, keep your light on. You got to glow in the dark. And so, yeah, we, we, we're just excited about what we're able to do. Um, we're not rebuilding Rome overnight, but we're happy to be right there on the corner of 79th and Normal in the south side of Chicago, where we're just trying to be a beacon of light and uh, hope for the community. Damn, brother, I want to say thank you so much personally, even though I'm not located in Chicago. I have a lot of family who actually reside in Chicago. Um, so I want to say, man, thank you for what you're doing in your community. And I want to encourage those who are listening to this podcast to get plugged into those community resources. Even though he may be located in Chicago, there are other people in your community who are doing the same things. And I'm a firm believer that if we want to save our nation, if we want to save our church, if we want to save our world, it has to start with our children. I believe that children are, are, are the best investment that a person can make because you're building the future of our world. And so, brother, I, I appreciate what y'all are doing. I believe that that is work that is often overlooked, but I think it's probably some of the most important. And I will say that it's really beneficial um, and rewarding on both ends. Um, I do work with youth, um, you know, on the college level and in high school. And I say that it's some really, really rewarding work. It's hard. It's, it's not easy. But, you know, it, it comes with different challenges um, because you're combating the systemic and the environmental um, challenges that that these kids see every day and 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 a lot of what we're doing is breaking a lot of that down but um i appreciate you for being uh, for being faithful to that and staying on the wall so as the older people say stay on the wall brother stay on the wall man we, we definitely appreciate what you're doing man definitely appreciate yes, it yes sir yes to switch our conversation just a little bit um i think that as i said before everybody who who is plugged into the media in some shape 
or form um, heard of the ruling when it came to our sister Breonna Taylor on last week. And I'll, I'll be honest, man, it it took me probably about two days to really get back stable again because we know that toward the earlier part of this year, um, we heard of the murder of George Floyd, which literally shook our world at its core. Um, and then also the murder of Breonna Taylor, which I don't think was at first as widely publicized because it wasn't recorded, but still, you know, troubling and gruesome to conceptualize. And so last week, for those of you who don't know, um, we, we, we saw where one of the officers, only one, was indicted, but it was on the account of wanton endangerment. And so uh, I told my wife that I really felt like it was a slap in the face, you know, and I had to really, you know, pray and ask God to to to, to settle me again. Um, we know that the word says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But, you know, that fleshly part of me, <laughs> people have to understand that even though we may be believers and, and, and everything else, we... We, we, we're still wrapped in this flesh. And there is, as much as we are spiritual, we are, um, we, we have our humanity as well. And so with that being said, let, let me stop. I really want to get your thoughts, man, just on, on where that case is right now, man. Just kind of, you know, what, do you, what did you feel when you heard of that news? Man, anger. Anger, disappointment. Uh, it's one of those things where, see, let me take a step back. Factoring in uh, the fact of all the dynamics, I knew what was coming. When the, when the family received that settlement the week prior, knowing who the attorney general was as well, and knowing that he had been appointed or he had took over the case as a special prosecutor, I knew what time it was. The handwriting was on the wall. But there's still this, hope that just, you know, just that there's this certain expectation that maybe, just maybe, we're finally going to matter to somebody. And, and that's kind of where I was, but I expected it. I did not expect any charges. So the wanting endangerment was a surprise. It was kind of like, oh, but then it was, yeah, but that's an insult. Uh, so yeah, talk about my feelings, anger, anger, outrage. Uh, Again, my prophetic edge moving, it's shaking because prophets were always social critics in the Bible. That's why nobody liked them, social critics. That's, that's, how, that's how you can think of a prophet in the Old Testament, John the Baptist even, Jesus even, uh, the apostle Paul, social critics. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's what it came down to for me. I was angry, man, I was just angry. I'm right there with you, brother. Um, felt, felt a lot of anger and I've heard a lot of different takes. I've listened to um, a lot of people's thoughts on this. And I think that the thing that, that bothers me the most is how far our nation has fallen away from simple values. Right. That's the thing I think that bothers me the most in that somebody's life can be taken and we don't see the need for nothing to be done about that. You know, I, 
I'm bothered. And, and honestly, you know, back in my hometown, there, there, there was actually another case of, of a little girl, you know, losing her life to somebody hitting her in a car, getting off of the school bus, going back in, into her home after school one day. And, you know, nobody paid for or there was no justice for that little girl. And, and it was a black little girl, not to be divisive, but that's just the, the situation that we're in. Black little girl and white young lady, no, there's, there, there, there's no justice. And I think that, you know, after years and years and years of this, you know, as you said before, it's traumatic. It's traumatic. And I said this on an earlier podcast, I think that, you know, as, as people of color in this nation, our generation is is dealing with, I think, a generational passing down of the trauma of our culture and our people, which is why every time we hear of stories like this over and over and over again, we're triggered. And people probably wonder, like, man, where is all this anger coming from? Where is it coming from? Right now, we're feeling the anger of our ancestors from the back in the 1960s. Right now, we're feeling the anger of our ancestors from back in the early 1900s, the 1800s, the 1700s, and so on and so forth. And so I'm right there with you in, in that I, I was extremely, extremely disturbed, and, and I was hurting. I was hurting, and um, I'm not a, a highly emotional person like that, but, but, but this time has, has really you know, brought me to tears when it comes to the state of our nation, man. So um, I appreciate, man, you, 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 you sharing your thoughts on that. My next question is, you know, I saw that, you know, you've been very active again, I said, in your community. What, what have you been doing specifically to, to move the needle forward when it comes to the overall raising, you know, I guess the overall awareness of, of, um, Black Lives Matter, um, when it comes to the overall raising of, of social inequality and social justice and, and those things. So what, what have you been doing personally and what have you been encouraging other people to do as well? Uh, well, I mean, most of my work has been, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of my work has been tied into my community uh, work at the community center. Outside of that, it's just been a bunch of protests, a bunch of uh, panel discussions. It's been a bunch of just keeping in contact with my people, uh, those relationships and that are out in the ground, um, and admonishing young black men to uh, carry yourselves, build yourselves, build ourselves, be the be be astute, be you know present, be prompt, be professional. You know, just that personal mentoring uh, that I have with several young black men um just trying to help keep them alive man so but but a lot of my work it goes back to what i've explained with uh regard to the work we do at the community center if this is a question that i that, that i asked a friend of mine probably it may have been on my very first podcast um i do have some listeners who listen to this podcast who um who are of the majority i know that during this time, I, I've heard a lot of people having, you know, guilt and, and, and feeling a, a need to do something. But I think sometimes 
they lack direction on what they feel like will be most helpful. Um, some people have different thoughts about this because I do believe that there are plenty of resources out here that you can go educate yourself about the struggle, systemic issues and problems in our nation and in our country. Um, but as a black male, if a white person asks you, what can I do? What would be your response? Educate yourself. Stop coming to me talking about, you know, uh, <laughs> See, this is the thing. Here's the thing. I'm a realist, okay? There's enough material. There are enough books. There are enough experiences that are happening right before our eyes to where I should not have to take on the guilt or the weight of being your instructor. Educate yourself. Be sure of the issues so that you can help to avoid any racial bias. Like last week, the Wells Fargo CEO, CEO uh, we don't have enough black people for, you know, in, in, come on, man. And, and then he, he did acknowledge the very next day, I guess the company put pressure on him. He did acknowledge that he, he spoke through his own bias. See, we don't have time for that kind of mess up, those kind of mess ups right now. This is down to the wise, serious business. Things are black or white. Talk about 2020 being the year of vision. We're seeing things clearer now than we did nine months ago when we came into 2020. Okay, so 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 these are the days where things are becoming more clear, and 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 there's no excuse for ignorance. There's too many resources. There's too much reading you can do. There's too many perfect life examples. You got too many black people around you. Educate yourself. That's where it starts, because I shouldn't have to do that. I got enough. I got enough to do with just trying to stay alive and keep my community alive. I don't have the capacity to also now cradle the white community too. So you you know you got to pick yourself up and let's and 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 and, and if you want to collaborate, if you want to say, hey, uh, I'm here, I'm willing to help you, we can do that. But 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 if you're gonna come to the table with 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 with, with racial bias and why is this, why is that, keep that energy somewhere else. <laughs> so. Most certainly, man. You said um. And you said that, you know, you, you have enough to balance what, what you're already dealing with. Um, I know that, especially being situated in the south side of Chicago, I know you probably have countless stories. Man, but just in brief, what do you see on a daily basis? I see, I see, I see curiosity. I see a cry to be human, to be normal, to live my best life, to escape this social incarceration that I'm in. That's what I see. I see a generation so full of life, but they lack discovery. They lack people who actually want to, you know, make real investment, provide real resources. That's what I see. I look into the eyes of these young people in the community. You know, in a large way, a lot of them don't want to be on drugs. They don't want to be in gangs. But that's the only thing they've ever been exposed to. That's all they know. And a lot of this is systematic and systemic. They were the government design programs to hold them down. And so I see people who are crying to be their best selves, to express themselves most liberally, but are shut down every time they try to make advancements. And so then they give up and they turn to things, things that, that they think uh, is a good replacement for the life and the joy and the fullness they're really seeking. 
You know, I mean, you know, you can go get high and that'll give you a high, that'll, that'll remove you from your anxieties for a little while. That's what our young people are turning to. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's what I see. I don't see, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, black on black crime. No, there is no black on black crime. There's proximity crime. If, 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 if we were truly integrated, then you would have black on white and white on black. Well, we got a lot of white on black crime. But if we were really truly integrated, you, there would not be black on black crime. But the government pushed us into a community, stacked us up on top of each other in the housing projects, and left us to self-destruct. In other words, they'll kill themselves, so we won't have to do it. Just let them stay over there so we won't have to be bothered with them. The government designed that. And so that's what I see. I see them living out a reality that they were subjected to without any influence of their own. Bruh, to hear that, ah, man, it, it hits such a deep place in me because the stereotype is these kids have chosen to be like they are. You know, that, that, that they have had a choice in in their outcome you know what i'm saying like you know their own drugs but why you know a, a lot of people even when it comes to you know the media and stuff now it's like well you know if they would only had did this or only had did that if they hadn't have been on drugs and i think that you know when we were losing our brothers and sisters the first thing the media wants to do is to say oh well they were involved in this and involved in that and and, and all these other things but in, in reality um, I think that God has given all of us the innate desire to live and to survive. And so in these environments, I can't help but to believe that our kids are just trying to survive. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're just searching for an avenue to survive. And so just because their method of survival doesn't look like yours, we penalize them instead of trying to help them. And I believe that's the thing that hurts me the most. I know, you know, in our communities, I see it here, but I know Chicago is a lot, a lot bigger than our small rural towns here in, in, in Mississippi. So I know that, you know, being able to witness that is, is on an even larger scale in Chicago. And I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, brother, that, that it's not black on black crimes. It's and I've never heard that. That's so profound. Which is, I, I I've never heard that perspective. But if, like you said, if we were truly integrated, then it it wouldn't exist. And and I I wrote a paper back at the beginning of this year for 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 one of my classes, and I talked about um um in, in that paper how we can't truly change. Um, what we see in our communities until there is equity in our communities, even when it comes to how we live, because, you know, we talk about education, but a lot of our kids are going uh, to school where they can afford to live, especially when, you know, with, with how they have sectioned off our education that, you know, only certain people in a certain area can go to this school. And so a lot of the kids, you know, they, they can only live where their parents can afford to live and so they go to the school system that's tied to where they're living which may not be the best school system and so it just kind of becomes a domino effect for them that you know 
it becomes a domino effect because we, we, we don't have the same access. And, and I actually, I, I'm not going to get into that. I preached a message about that yesterday about the importance of access and that when it comes to our, our living and our reality, the struggle has always been for access. You look at Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they lost access to God. So our, our uh, um, desire since the beginning of time is to have access. And so in our country, we are rioting, we are protesting, we are raising our voices just simply because we want access to the same things. And so, man, I, I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that, man. It's so, it's so rich. That's so rich, man. So, so thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. During a time that is filled with so much strife and, and anger and such a mix of emotions, one thing I've been asking myself is, are there any positives out of what we're currently saying? Because I realize that as a believer, the, the Bible lets us know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So I know that there are probably other people as well who, who, who are believers, who claim to be believers, who are, who are asking, okay, God, what is the silver lining in all of this? And so my question to you is during this time, have you seen, um, are you taking away any positives from what has transpired this year? Oh yeah, because the world has been set on fire by the millennial in generation, uh, was it Z? What's the next generation after us? The world was set on fire by our generation and the succeeding generation. We've gotten the attention of world leaders so much to where our struggle has extended beyond the continental United States. We are the revolutionary generation. And when you talk about what positives, you see even in ashes, beauty can rise. And so our struggle has been highlighted and is going to continue to be highlighted. And we're being pushed out of beyond comfort zones. We're now being pushed to read more and to examine, to analyze, to wrestle, to, to, to theorize, to really become more pragmatic as well. I, I, I love it. It's beautiful. I am happy to live in this day. I am happy that when the history books are recorded, somewhere along the way it'll be recorded that George Floyd was suffocated to death brutally. And we didn't just take it. We didn't march around singing, we shall overcome. No, we got up and we mobilized, we organized, and we got busy. Somewhere it's going to be written that Amar Arbery was hunted down brutally, killed and would have been subjected to a cover-up, almost got away with it through three prosecutors. But because we pushed the button, we got a special prosecutor, and now we've got three indictments. Somewhere it's going to be written that Rashad Brooks was shot down like in the back by back shooting cowards. But the books are going to record that we didn't just sweep it under the rug and just allow them to tell us it was justified. But we pushed the button and we got indictments. Speedy. It's going to be written somewhere, Breonna Taylor's name, that even though we're still fighting for justice in her case, well, we're fighting for justice in all their cases, but we're still seeking charges in her case. 
Somewhere her name's going to be written in the history book that a black woman, her, her, her unfortunate fate caused a worldwide movement to say her name. <laughs> so there's beauty. There's beauty in everything. And my heart goes out to all these cases, these people's family, make. Uh, my heart goes out to them. I really wish it didn't have to be this way. There's no excuse for it being this way. But I'm happy that the generations didn't let their deaths just go down the drain. We're fighting and we're gonna keep fighting. My goodness, uh, I feel so invigorated. Man, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that that is, is also what I'm taking away is that we have people in this generation who are not afraid. And, that, and that's what I'm so grateful for. I think that what we often forget is that during the times of slavery and during the times of the civil rights movement back in the 1960s, the 1960s there were actually individuals who didn't want to rock the boat because they were satisfied with things being as well as they were. But I'm glad, I am so glad that we had individuals during those times who weren't satisfied with things just being good enough, who weren't satisfied with things being um, well as well as they were, but were really motivated and that were invigorated to the point where they wanted to push the envelope to see real change. I think it's a shame that we're still fighting these same battles, the same battles that uh, my grandmother had to had to deal with, my great grandmother and great grandfather had to deal with. I, I think that it's sad that you know we're still having to 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 deal with these um, these tragedies. But I'm so glad that there are individuals in this generation who are not afraid to open up their mouths and to say something, to 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 use their platforms and to use their voices. Um, to use their their power, to use their influence, to use their social media to, to, to bring awareness and to not let this time period, this, this, this desire to, to, to cause real change, I'm glad that we are not letting that die. Because I think in past times, you look at um, people like Michael Brown, you look at, um, you, you look at Trayvon Martin, I think that during that time, um, parts of us allow the the energy from that moment in our history to die out. But I believe that one thing that the pandemic has given us has given us an opportunity to really organize, has given us an opportunity to position ourselves and to be re-energized to where we don't let this opportunity and, and, and their deaths be in vain, that we have the energy to keep fighting. And so um, I'm definitely grateful for that, man. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for individuals like you who are, who, who are using, using your voice, you know, who, who, who are focused um, on the mission in hand. And, and I encourage everybody that's listening to this. I, I, I really want to continue to have topics like this. Of course, I don't want to make this a, um, a social justice podcast, but, but I can't let the flame go out. We have to keep adding wood. If we have to go chop some more wood, chop it up and put it on the fire, because this is something that is affecting us, whether you are a believer or not a believer. And I heard somebody say this, that before you were ever a believer, before you were ever a Christian, you were black <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, or, or you were or you are your, you, your nationality. When you wake up in the morning, you are your nationality. So um, the, these topics, 
whether believer or non-believer, I believe are extremely important. So, brother, I appreciate your time, man. I, I appreciate your insight, man. This is this has been a great conversation, and, and it's blessed me. Before I get off of here, I am, I'm going to ask your review. Um, I saw what you posted about it. So, man, real quick, give me your thoughts on Good Trouble. John Lewis Lee, incredible individual. I mean, the guy was, this man, a, a tremendous respect. 20, 20 years old, uh, writes Dr. King a letter. Dr. King responds with a bus ticket, and this is how he gets introduced into the, to the movement in an official capacity. And he becomes one of the big six organizers of the, of the march, delivers the speech, and he never gets out to fight. Now, you can have there some ideological, philosophical disagreements you might be able to surmise, whatever. The man's story is just incredible overall. You know, and, and I have tremendous respect for him. Uh, you know, I might be a little more on the side of the more militant revolutionaries, James Farmer, Stokely Carmichael, okay. But John Lewis is still a pillar in our history. He's an ancestor now. We have serious respect for him. The CNN documentary was incredible. It was explosive. It was informative. It was magical. Enjoyed it from start to finish. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing it. I did not have the opportunity and the privilege to see it last night, but I will be watching yeah. it soon. And I am looking yeah. forward to viewing that, man. So thank you for the, uh, man, your, your, your quick review on that and brother man this has been a, a great conversation I'm looking forward to um, to staying in contact so that we can continue to um, to, to have conversations around this um, real quick man how can people get in contact with you excuse me yeah so social media uh, I'm on Facebook please connect with me there L Jerome Bill uh, that's L Jerome Bill B as in boy E-A-L uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Ladarius Bill. Uh, Twitter, same handle at Ladarius Bill. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me directly, you know, my email, I'll give you my email is ljbill25 uh, at gmail.com. Awesome. Man, y'all connect. Y'all connect with my brother. He's doing a lot of great things, especially if you're in the Chicago area. Man, hit him up, man, and uh, find ways to, to 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 push what he's doing. What I'm learning is if something is not your strength um, or if something may not be your calling and your passion, you can encourage and support and bolster, push the people who are doing these things. Protesting may not be for everybody, but you can hand out water. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I find a way to, to be involved, I said this earlier, that during the civil rights movement, some women may not have the opportunity to be out there and have boots on the ground, but I guarantee you they were cooking meals that when people came in off the streets, when they came in from those um, from those protests, they had somebody there to, uh, to, to energize them and to nourish them. So find a way, find a way to support and to push the movement, man. I, I appreciate this time again. Thank you. Thank you, man, for sharing your insights. Man, this has been um, insightful. Um, it's been good. And so I want to thank everybody else who has tuned in to the 3D Life podcast. Um, this is season two, the first episode of season two. So uh, we're making history. Thank you for being my first guest on season two of the 3D Life podcast. 
We are extremely excited and happy to be back. I know we stopped at the beginning of August. Um, here we are at the end of September. We had to take a little bit of a sabbatical um, as life was kind of switching up. But hey, season two is up and rolling and we have some great content that we plan to bring to you all. So thank you for listening in. If you have not subscribe to the channel go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you have not shared this podcast with somebody stop what you're doing right now hit the share button send this to a friend to an enemy to a brother a sister mom and dad share this with somebody and let them know that the 3d life podcast is up and rolling we appreciate it we plan to be back next week with some great content stay tuned and we love you all until then peace and blessings